Reading tonight from Psalm 1, Psalm 11, verse 3. This is what it says. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? It's quite a question. Foundations, spiritual foundations, that are established, thankfully established, in Christian homes. Sister just spoke of the fact that she didn't come from a Christian home, but thankfully there are a number, right here in fact, that have come from Christian backgrounds, Christian upbringing, or you knew somebody who knew about God. They knew the story of salvation and they may have attempted to tell you that story of of God's love and how much Jesus could love you and make a change in your life. But the foundations, the foundations are under attack and they have been for centuries, I suppose. We've seen some in recent days that are Hard to imagine in our lifetime, we, we say that, in our lifetime. We never could have imagined some of the things we have heard uh, from government officials, from others, uh, even religious people. How could they possibly go in that direction, so anti-God and so anti-Christian? I took a, a bill out of my wallet tonight just to reassure myself. It says, in God we trust. Our, our money still has that on, on that. And of course, the money uh, is only worth what it's worth, but what's really worth a lot is the fact that in God we trust. We trust in a living God, even tonight, even today, even in trying times. We've seen trying times, we've experienced them, and God has maintained our personal foundations for us individually. Our lives may be shaken a little bit, may be troubled a lot, some more than others, but God has maintained integrity through it all. There's been great victory in the Lord, and I've heard people say it. Coming to church, they say, I'm not taking church for granted anymore. We, we have a, a choice, don't we, to attend church. It's a choice. It's a privilege. It's a, a golden opportunity to be among the saints of God where we worship together, pray together, study the Word of God together, smile together. <laughs> There's still this smiley face up there, Brother George. I, I, once in a while I see it. But it's just so that we, we weren't looking at a single microphone or a mic. What were we looking at? We were looking at a camera there for a while, just looking straight ahead because that was the only people looking was somebody on the other end of the, the camera somewhere. But the foundations have stood. Then he asks, what can the righteous do? The righteous can do what we've been doing. We're current event righteous people. We're the current Christian people that are living and breathing and uh, appreciating the goodness of God. And we continue to do what, what Christians have always done. They pray. 
They seek the word of God. They read the word of God. They study it. They find nuggets of golden opportunity there uh, revealed by the Lord to his people. God is good to reveal his love and his word to us. I wanted to read 2 Timothy tonight, uh, the fourth chapter, four verses. And Timothy, uh, recall, let's go back a minute. The apostle Paul was actually coming to the close of his life. He knew that his day was coming when they would take his life from him, his physical life, that is. And so if you read Second Timothy from the perspective of the fact that this man was not going to be around much longer, he was, he was digging deep, it appears to be, to find the things that are the what he wanted to leave for those who would follow the gospel that he had preached. He, he wanted to encourage Timothy, a young, evidently young minister, young man. This is important, Timothy. I want you to know some things. This, this is the words that, that come to my mind now in my closing hours, my closing days. And, and so this is very, very significant. And so evidently, this is what they have said. The, the people who understand and research things from years ago, that that's what the, about the time frame in which Paul was about to, to lose his earthly life, between somewhere between 65 and 67 AD. So you can see that perspective there when, when he's writing to Timothy. And he says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. This was important to Paul. He was relaying, he was relaying a message that is still alive and well today. The preacher wants to know what to preach about. Simple. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. What word? Preach the word of God. Tell people about the word of God. Bring them back to the Bible, we can say in our day. We have a Bible. We have a written word of God. Many words. And so we say, this is the word of God. Go to the Word of God. You got a problem? Go to the Word of God. Do you know a Christian that can help you? Go to that Christian. Let that Christian help you with the Word of God. They will explain as best they can. We're humans. But we do what we can to, to, to say that Jesus is alive. He has resurrected from the dead. You can be prepared for heaven. And this is the Word of God you want to look for for instruction in righteousness. And he spells it out. He kind of breaks it down. He says, preach the word. That's the kind of the basis of it. Preach the word, but he goes beyond that and says, uh, in season and out of season. In other words, whenever there's an opportunity, tell people about the Lord. When, when you have a, a, a chance to tell somebody about the Lord, you, you tell them about the Lord. Maybe you give them your personal testimony, but that's basically what, what we do. We tell people about the Lord and, and how much he loves us. 
and how much he loves everybody and how much good he can do in people's lives if, if we will allow him to do good in our lives or in anyone's life. Then he goes beyond that and explains a couple other things, three other things, in fact. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And I'll take that a step farther, sound doctrine. Sound teaching, doctrine or teaching. And this is how you do it, Timothy. This is what you do. You reprove. Reprove is to convict. Does that remind you of Holy Ghost conviction? You can't convict anybody, but you can give people the word of God, as this preacher would do, and that word would reprove them of their sins, the life they are living. We've heard so many testimonies through the years of people feeling, they say, I felt bad. I felt like I'd, I'd gone too far, sometimes they'd say. I felt like I, I hurt the Lord. I felt like I did this to Jesus and, and, and it felt, felt bad, felt bad. That was conviction, thank the Lord, for, for Holy Ghost conviction. And, and it comes probably in different ways to different people, depending on our knowledge of the Word. The knowledge of the Word of God has a, a great difference in different lives, but has this, can have the same outcome, same good outcome. He says to rebuke, rebuke. In other words, to set a weight upon, was the definition I found. To set a weight upon, that's a little different. To rebuke, essentially, the weight upon a, a person uh, is that word of God uh, on an individual who needs Holy Ghost conviction. And it becomes a weight. People often speak of the weight of sin they carried. They carried this weight of sin. They were, they were burdened. They were, they were miserable. They were uncomfortable every day because they were not walking with the Lord. So the goodness of God comes in this way to rebuke a person and rebuke them so that they can be saved. It's a weight that can be lifted. Many say that they remember when that weight lifted. They re remember specifically feeling very heavy under the load of sin as they begin to understand what sin was or is. And when that weight lifted, they felt light, lighter, physically lighter. And that's, that sounds good, doesn't it? I think that's good. Exhort. Now, mind you, I'm not an English professor by any means, but I think you can take and put reprove, reprove with all long-suffering and doctrine, and then you can say rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine, and you can say exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. There's some long-suffering sometimes in that period of time between conviction for sin and redemption from those sins. There's a long-suffering period. Sometimes there's a long-suffering period for the loved ones who pray for the loved ones who need salvation. And you bear with them. You, you pray for them and you, you bear long-suffering for a long period of time sometimes. And doctrine. The teachings of the gospel of Jesus Christ must overwhelm 
our thoughts, really, that that teaching can reach out and, and talk to people, talk to their hearts, talk to them about salvation so that they can be saved, so that they are exhorted, they are exhorted. It's a call to call near. I read one definition, to call near. This is a call, sometimes we think of the, the, the altar services. It's a call near, come near. It's, it's not necessarily coming close to the front of a church, but there's something about uh, the call of God that reaches out to a soul that says, come closer to me, come to the Lord, come unto Jesus, all that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And there's that call goes out, like, a, like this speaks of being exhorted with all long suffering and that teaching. It's, it's surprising, oh, maybe not surprising, to realize, if you look back, how long it took you to wake up and realize you needed to be saved. Anybody else like me there? I mean, you can go to church a long time and not get it, really. You can attend church services year after year after year. You can go to this church and that church and every other church, and you don't get it. It's like you're, you're thick-headed. It's not sinking in. But the goodness of God allows the Spirit of God to speak to hearts everywhere, in every place, in different ways. Sometimes the Lord reaches out to mailmen of all things. Aren't we glad for that? This brother's glad that the Lord speaks to mailmen. God speaks to people in the military. That's a wonderful thing. We thank God for that. God speaks to the whosoever will. God speaks to the one that grew up in San Francisco. God speaks to the one that grew up in Arkansas. God reaches the whole round world, reaching out to touch people, to change their lives. And if necessity uh, would have it, he would reprove and rebuke and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. The Apostle Paul was telling Timothy, this is what you preach. You don't need to branch off to something new or something other than what the gospel has always been. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We don't want to go anywhere else, do we? We have found something that changed our lives. It's been good for us and our friends and our loved ones. Back to that foundation or foundations. There's something about foundations that are unique. Do you know where the foundations in this building are? I'm sure some here can tell you where they are. I mean, I can just take a wild guess. They're underneath somewhere, right? Take a look at the big columns, those big, huge columns you see on the, what, eight different locations around the building. They probably go way down, and they're connected to something solid so that the building will stay up for a long time, or at least until the Lord returns. That'd be fine. You, you, you want a foundation. There, there's something like a footing that they put put down sometimes. For homes, you see, these small footings, and, and then they can set, set the, the cement blocks or concrete above that. And, but that all gets buried. You can't see it anymore. Really. You can't see the foundations. You can't see the footings. You can't see what's underneath. But you're glad that somebody went to engineering school and somebody spent enough time to make sure that there was enough enough support there to hold up 
what they're going to build on top of it. In Philadelphia, if you've ever been there, in the middle of Philadelphia is City Hall. It stands 548 feet tall. On the top, including that 548 feet, is a 37-foot bronze statue, very, very heavy, of William Penn. He's on the very top of City Hall. Part of that City Hall is this great tower that gives it its height. There's more to it than just the tower. And it has walls that are 22 feet thick. It is a very heavy building. When you're going to build heavy like that, you better have a good foundation. I've been through that city hall, been underneath it. There's the subway system that runs on Market Street in Philly, and then the Broad Street subway runs the other way, and it crisscrosses underneath city hall. But I never thought about it because I was a kid. Isn't that the way you are when you're a kid? You know? Tinker Toys is one thing, but looking at these giant buildings is another. My dad would take us down there to see, to go downtown and hang around downtown Philly. That was fun as a kid, especially at Christmas. Remember the old, old department stores? Really old department stores at Christmas? They'd have these different decorations in all the windows and moving, moving animals and people and all kinds of things, fabulous what they would do. Wanamakers was across the street from City Hall, and that was a fabulous place to go in. Now it's owned by Macy's, of course. But that was fascinating, fascinating. But they've held up all these years. They even have earthquakes, can you believe it or not, in Philadelphia. They had one when my dad lived there a long time ago. But City Hall still stands. You know, the gospel's like that. The foundations, they are sure. The foundation is sure. Right here in this same book we read from, it says in the 19th verse, second chapter, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Now that sounds dependable, doesn't it? That sounds like something you can build upon. You can put some weight on it. You can put something. You can trust a God that builds things so solidly that will hold you up in the storms of 2019 or 2020 or 2021 or whatever. God is capable of all of that because he starts with a strong, powerful, and mighty foundation. It's held up. Has it held up for you? Has it held strong? Anything you have to put weight on, any great deal of weight, you better build something powerful underneath it. Minot Air Force Base has a 12,300 foot runway, and I think it's 300 feet wide. In the center of that runway, it's four feet thick with concrete and rebar. Why would they do that? Airplanes fly. But you know, when they're on the ground, they're very, very heavy, especially B-52 bombers, which came in there and out of there all the time in the middle of the night at times. Somebody saw the future, 
And they knew that if they built it strong, it would withstand the weight of these tremendous aircraft that would come and go at whatever time they wanted them to come and go through the storms, through the winter. In the winter time, it was always interesting. There was big plows. I mean, they would be plowing this massive runway. Every time it snowed, they were out there plowing the runway because they never knew when they were going to need those bombers to leave the base. You know, the Lord has built a strong foundation for you, for me, for every one of us, because we never know, we never know when we're going to be, uh, uh, need the assurance that we're standing on something that's going to hold up. Don't you want to know that it's going to hold up? People have problems these days. They've always had problems. We had problems. But the foundations of God stand sure. His foundation is not plural, it's single, singular. It's a foundation. The foundation of God standeth sure. We're depending on the Lord tonight. We depend on, on the Lord when we come to, come to pray. It's not just routine praying. We come with a purpose. We, we, we come to altars of prayer whenever opportunity avails itself. And we call upon the Lord. And we thank God. And we praise God. And we, just, uh, we want to be reminded uh, that of all the wonderful things the Lord has done, his characteristics, his kindness, his goodness, his mercy extended to the whosoever will may come. We're coming to the Lord tonight. We're going to come to the Lord tonight now. We're going to sing a song, 602. We can stand and sing 602 and come and have a time of prayer together.